Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week we conclude our pause series with our adult discipleship pastor, Mark Taylor, bringing us a message on Psalm 144. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. stand and hear Psalm 144. Let's stand. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and he gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. Let's pray. Lord God, we stand in your love. And we bring to you this morning all that we are, and we pray that you would banish all fear from our hearts. God, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts, that we may see you and know you more clearly today. God, we pray that you would clear the fog so that we could hear your voice. pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we were planning this message series and kind of looking ahead, we thought that it would be a good, a good time in November to pause. Holidays are rushing in. Woodruff Road is rushing in. But, but even more than just November, our hope is that this idea of pause will become a way of life for us, that we can uh, stop and discern and develop and practice this idea of pausing uh, into the regular rhythms of our lives. We began a few weeks ago with Psalm 23, talking about pausing and finding renewal, how our, so- our souls long for restoration and refreshment and strength and just to pause and find renewal. And then we moved into Psalm 46 with the idea of refocus, that we might have a clearer vision. Like that, that's, uh, that's my zooming in and zooming out. That we would have a clearer vision of who God is. And then last week we looked at Psalm 77 with the idea of remember and the value of pausing and remembering what God has done. And so as we finish our pause series today, we're gonna have just a little bit of a shift where we're gonna look forward. We're still gonna pause, but with the idea of being refueled so that we have what we need to move forward. And it's been really good for me. I've enjoyed this series looking at the Psalms. The the Psalms really contain the full range of emotions. The different writers of the Psalms uh, sometimes expressed deep anguish and distress, crying out to God, and there's much fear and being overcome in the Psalms. There's also great delight in thanksgiving 
And the psalm we're going to look at today, which is Psalm 144, it's a psalm of battle or victory. And as we'll see, even though David is facing challenges, he gives us a picture of what it looks like to move forward with a sense of confidence and strength. And he likely penned this soon after he was installed as king, and so he had already overcome a bunch of challenges uh, on his way uh, into that spot. But there were many challenges, many that he didn't even know yet, that still lay in front of him. Have, have you ever run out of gas? Anyone here ever run out of gas? Anyone here ever run out of gas and had to walk a really long way? Well, even though the word refuel isn't in the Bible, it's not even in the message translation, this idea of being filled up, of having our cup overflowing, of having what we need is all through the scriptures. Our theme verse for today and the memory verse for this week is Ephesians 3.19, which says, may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I don't know about you, but I would love to live with greater fullness of life and power that comes from God. And so as we step into one, Psalm 144 today, you can open up your scriptures. I wanna offer a plan to refuel as we pause. These are practices that hopefully we can begin putting into place today that will help us refuel and move forward with a greater confidence and strength into the life God has for us. So Psalm 144, beginning with verse one. Find your place. The first practice we can build into our lives to refuel is find your place. Psalm 144, verse one. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and he gives my fingers skill for battle. As David moves forward into his kingship, into his role, he, he knows his place. He knows that his hands have been trained for war and his fingers have been given skill for battle. There's a, a sense of settledness about what God has called him to do. He didn't always carry out his role with wisdom and discretion and prudence like he should have, but he knew his role. In fact, I think the, the language is very interesting here, how he talks about even his fingers were skilled for battle. I think it's no coincidence that he grew up playing music. He played the harp and other instruments, and I'm imagining that that was training, even though he didn't know it at the time, that was training for his hands so that he could hold a, a bow so that he could hold on to the battle axe. He goes on to say, he is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me, which at first sounds a little arrogant, like he's making the nations submit to me, like look at who I am. But really he's simply saying he, makes the pe he subdues the people under me. He's simply owning the fact that God has called him into kingship. God is the loving ally, the fortress, the rescuer, and in his power, God could easily come do any job that he wanted, but 
for some reason, he continues to use us to reach the world, to shine his light, to show his love. Have you ever been to a, gotten to a place in your life where you ask the question, how did I get here? Maybe you found yourself in a relationship and you weren't sure, how did it get to this? Or maybe you were working on a degree in school and you thought, how did I end up studying this and what in the world am I ever going to use this for? As a father of four teenagers, it's crossed my mind more than once, God, this isn't what I signed up for. But David didn't seek his spot either. He was simply out taking care of some, some sheep in the field when his father called him in. This wasn't something that he sought after. And the reality for all of us to remember is that God does not make mistakes. And so wherever you're at in the role that you're in, God it has you there for a reason. And all throughout the scriptures, we find people, unlikely people who God grabbed, such as David, out of what he was doing to become the king of his people, all throughout the scriptures, God grabs people who didn't think they had what it took to do a job that they had no idea what they were doing in and successfully moved his life through their lives. Esther is a great example. And if you haven't read the book of Esther in a while, you'll want to pick that up. It's just a few chapters. And Esther, uh, interesting enough that it's the, the one book in the Bible that does not mention God's name. But as you read the story, you can see his hand all over the story. Behind the scenes, God is at work. It's the book of God's providence, providential working. Esther was a Jewish orphan who became the queen of Persia. She didn't pick that spot. She didn't ask for that position. She ended up facing challenges way beyond what she ever imagined. And we find out later in the story that she's facing a task way beyond what she'd ever faced before and was asked to do something way beyond what she'd ever known. And she was seeking counsel from Mordecai, the, the man who took her in as his own. And Mordecai said these words in Esther 4, 13 and 14. It says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. God will go another route if he needs to, but you and your relatives will die and then he says these poetic, beautiful words. Who knows, Esther, if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. The reality is you have been created at a unique time in history with unique talents and skills and gifts and passions and yes, even broken experiences to fulfill a unique destiny given to you by God. Do you know your place? And the reality is we will never move forward into the life that God has for us, the life that we're longing for, the life that deep down inside we know we were created for until we learn to more fully embrace the place that we're in right now. What role are you in right now that you need to more fully own. Doesn't mean that God wants you there forever, that God's not moving you forward, 
What role are you in right now, even as difficult and challenging as it might be as a mom, as a dad, as a, as a son or a daughter, the position you hold in your workplace amongst those people in your work group, the mission he's given you, what role are you in? Maybe even some of you are in between jobs. I can remember being in between ministry jobs for what turned out to be over five years and I didn't know, God, what do you have for me? Where are you calling me? What are you doing? This one didn't go so well. What's happening? But God had something for me in that moment and during that time, he taught me I would never go to the place that he had for me until I learned to own where I was at in the current situation. Wherever you're at, think about going into the holidays. You have a unique role as you go into the holidays and you have different conversations with different people in ways that only you can do, conversations that only you can have because you're the only one living inside your skin. You're the only one with that role in that person's life in the workplace or in your family. And I'm convinced that God has you there wherever you're at to carry out a unique purpose that only you can fulfill. There's a beautiful place in the book of Ephesians where Paul speaks of God's grace about our brokenness and how God's grace comes and moves in us. And he reminds us that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. And the Greek word used there in Ephesians 2.10 is the word poema. When God wanted to speak something into the world, he created you and me. And the beautiful part about the gospel of Jesus Christ is sometimes we feel like we're too broken and he can't use us. But it's actually in our brokenness that his grace and his light and his mercy and his compassion shine so beautifully. But unfortunately, as Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote a century or more ago, most people go to the grave with their music still inside them. What role do you have in the people around you and what music has God designed to play through your life? This plan to refuel involves the practice of finding our place, of owning where we're at right now and being the person that God designed us to be right now. But it also teaches us, number two, stay humble. David could have gotten the big head as the king of all the people. And he said, my hands have been trained, my fingers skilled. And then the next, the next words out of his mouth were, oh Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should think about them for they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. There was a deep sense of humility. He knew his role but in the grand scheme of things, he also knew how small he was in that. Humility is one of those tough things that it's kind of hard to measure in yourself because once you think you're starting to become humble, you kind of lose it, right? And I could say a whole lot about humility today, well, because I'm the most humble guy I know. But, but what I do want to say about this passage in here and what I sense David getting at is there is something so strengthening so refueling about letting go of feeling like you need to hold it all together, of feeling like 
you need to come through for everyone. David realized that he was the king leading all the people, and then he said, oh God, but who am I? And so it's, he didn't give up his responsibility, but he saw himself in light of reality. You need to be who God called you to be in the place he's called you to be, but you don't need to be any more than that. Be the person God called you to be in that place. James 4.10 simply says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That feels refueling to me. So as we pause to refuel, think about the unique place that God has you Stay humble. And number three, ask big. Ask big. David's God was big. He just moved from, we are a mere shadow, we're a mere breath, we're a vapor. And then he says, open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. I don't always pray like that. Most of my prayers are more about making life work or just getting through the day, or figuring out how to come up with this little bit of money to pay for this car repair. I often forget how big God is. A passage that may be familiar to you is Psalm 121, where the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And what makes these verses so powerful is that in the ancient Near East and really around the world in certain places even today, people of other religions would craft temples and statues of their foreign gods and they would place them up on the hills and they would look to them up on the hills for protection and guidance. And the psalmist says, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the one who made the hills, not just the statues that are sitting on the hill. And I wonder how often we forget how big God is. One of the, so I've, Uh, I've mentioned stories before about playing soccer. One of the greatest, any soccer players in here, soccer fans? We've got one, very good, nice. (laughs) This story's gonna go well. (laughs) Okay, well follow along with me anyway. There was uh, one of the reasons why soccer isn't more popular in the country, one of the biggest complaints is there's not enough scoring, right? And so Years ago, I played on a team in Columbus, Ohio, and the National Soccer Association was brainstorming and coming up with creative ways that they could increase the scoring in the games so that more people would be excited about the sport. Well, that's not really a great thing for me because I'm a goalkeeper, and I'm always trying to reduce the score, so it was a little interesting. We were playing in Atlanta, 
and they were trying out some of these new ideas to increase the scoring. And so as I walk out into the field, I didn't know these were happening until I got out there and I looked and they had made the goal two feet higher and four feet wider than it already was. And it was already big enough, if you ask me. <clears throat> and I'm standing there warming up for the game and I thought, I am in trouble. This thing is huge. And I remember really just feeling fear, like this is not gonna go well. This is gonna be a rough game. And not only that, but they suspended, one of the other things they were trying out is they suspended the offside rule, which meant that any player from either team could be anywhere on the field anytime they wanted to be. And so I had a player from the other team planted in front of me the entire game to distract, to get in the way, to be a bother, to be a nuisance. And so I'm standing there warming up, learning that this, this was all happening and just really feeling overwhelmed. The stakes were high. Everyone was fighting for their position all the time. And I look up and the four players that our coach had just recruited from England walked out onto the field. They were on my team. I had forgotten they were on my team. And all of a sudden, a sense of calm came over me. And not only a sense of calm, but even a sense of energy, like, we got this. This is going to be a blast. And that reminded me how often I forget who's on my team. And I wonder how often you might forget that God is on your team. A couple of questions for us to wrestle with. How have you settled for less than God has for you? In what ways have you underestimated God? When did you forget who was on your team? When did you give up believing that God would do great things in your life? Flip that around a little bit. What would you love to see God do in your life? What would you love to see God do through your life? What matters to you? Forget about yourself for a moment. What would you love to see God do in the lives of the people around you? You'll be hard-pressed to find any story in Scripture where God becomes angry because we think too much of him or because we believe he's too big. This passage, open up the heavens, throw down your lightning bolts, shake the mountains. This passage invites us to dream big again, to pray big, to ask big, because our God is big. And as we pause and refuel, it's important to find your place. There's something so strengthening in knowing your role in the story. Stay humble, ask big, and number four, expect opposition. I'm often surprised how surprised I get when life gets hard. Anytime you move forward in the life that God has for you and you take steps in what you think he's calling you to do, you will face opposition. And oftentimes, from many fronts, 
verse 7. Reach down from heaven and rescue me, David says. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. And in case you missed it, he repeats himself again. Save me, rescue me from the power of my enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. David was no stranger to opposition. People were fighting for power. He had enemies all around him that were attacking his armies. Immorality was widespread. He faced the opposition of his own temptation and how to deal with the desires and longings in his own heart. His own family and those he worked with became his enemies. Have you ever tried to move forward before and even the people around you weren't in support of what God was doing in your life and it felt like opposing Just because God calls you into something doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy. In fact, quite the opposite is often true. Oftentimes, God's way is the most challenging because in those challenging, difficult situations where we're being opposed, God is calling out of us and shaping in us who he's designed us to be. Peter reminds us, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by hardship and struggle in the Christian life. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. There's something very strengthening just about knowing there's going to be opposition because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world and that is refueling to remember yes there's trouble and there's obstacle and there's opposition but the great news is when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ his spirit comes and lives in you and living inside you as a follower of Jesus Christ is the king of the universe the one who made all of this, that is refueling. Couple of questions. What are some of the sources of greatest challenge in your life? Some of the relationships, some of the situations, the circumstances that you're in. What are some of the sources of greatest challenge in your life? How is God using those challenges to give you what you need, to shape who you are, to be the person that he designed you to be. As we pause and refuel, it's important to consider your place, the role that you have in God's story, to stay humble, to ask big, to expect opposition. Number five, it's crucial that we make room for celebration. See, David knew struggle, he knew hardship, he knew, he, w- he wasn't surprised by the opposition, but he also knew how to celebrate. And it became a fuel for him to move forward. You can even feel it as he's singing, verse nine. I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a 10-stringed harp. For you grant victory to kings. You rescued, you rescued your servant David from the fatal sword. 
over and over again throughout the, throughout the scriptures, we see stories of God giving victory to his people. And sometimes, even before he brings victory, people stopping and celebrating, building an altar, worshiping God. We need to pause and celebrate the small victories along the way because it's refueling. Before God had even fulfilled his promise to Abraham, Genesis 12 tells us that Abraham built an altar and he worshiped God there. When God rescued his people out of Egypt, Moses established an entire week of celebration that was to be copied over and over again, year after year, as a tradition where they would pause for a week and celebrate the work of God. When God came through for Deborah in the book of Judges, what did she do? She stopped and she sang a song. Did that mean everything was over? No, but she stopped and she celebrated. One of my favorite places that talks about this celebration is Job 38. And it tells us that as God was laying the foundations of the earth, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. I love that. I don't think I celebrate enough what God has done. But there's something so strengthening about pausing and naming. How could you build celebration into the regular rhythm of your life. Not in denial that everything's okay, oh, praise the Lord, everything's great, because that's not true, but to really feel celebration, even in the midst of hard times. Think what it would do for your soul to stop, to pause, and to celebrate, to be grateful, to even name, write down the things that he has done. Anton Pavlovich Chekhov, it's a really cool name. He was a Russian playwright and a short story writer who said these powerful words, any idiot can face a crisis, but it's the day-to-day living that wears you out. How have your hardships and heaviness of life stolen hope and joy from your soul? Are you at a place or can you identify a place in your life where the hardship of today came in and took away the celebration of what God's done in your life? The plan to refuel as we pause, it involves knowing your place, staying humble, asking big, expecting opposition, making room for celebration. Last one, you ready? The plan to refuel calls us to keep longing for home. As David faced the challenge of leading a nation, of fighting for the freedom of his people, he knew that opposition was there and he celebrated throughout his time, but he never lost sight of what it looked like when there was harmony in the land. And so, he ends this psalm with really a vision of what it would look like for there to be harmony in the land, harmony in the kingdom when all is right and restored. Listen to this hopeful picture that David had in his heart. He said, may our sons flourish in their youth. I have two sons. I 
would love for them to be flourishing in their youth. Like well-nurtured plants, may our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands, where no one was hungry, no one starved to death. Imagine such a place. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. He's imagining a place. He's not letting his current situation become the final reality. He was always keeping in mind that his current situation was not his final destination. And the reality is that our address on our hearts is Eden. And ever since we've been banished from the garden, there's a homesickness in here for what it would be like to live in a restored, renewed place where everything is right. And the idea that we were made for another place can actually become fuel to keep us moving forward, knowing this isn't it. In fact, he closes this psalm with verse 15, these words, he says, yes, joyful are those who live like this, imagining this future that doesn't yet exist. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. I think it's easy for me, maybe for you, to look at our culture, to read the news, to look around us and become discouraged, even to look at my own obstacles and challenges and frustrations in just my own life, much less the world around, and become discouraged. But this passage invites us not to lose sight of the ideal world in which we were created. In fact, Many people read the book of Genesis as if it's some kind of science manual to teach us how creation happened. But the book of Genesis was written to a people who were wandering in the wilderness. And as Moses, we believe, wrote the entire book of Genesis for this purpose was to, one, tell them how they got in the situation that they were in, but to remind them of the ideal world that God created. And so Genesis 1 and 2 is not simply or really even at all, a science book on how creation happened. It is a beautiful picture of creation reminding the Israelites as they're wandering through the wilderness what they were designed for so that they would imagine the promised land and keep moving. I'll read you a few verses and just imagine wandering in the wilderness, not knowing where you're going, not having the food that you thought you should have and struggling and then having these words spoken to you. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. And then God blessed them. They didn't feel blessed when they were wandering in the wilderness. So Moses was saying, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth earth and govern it. That would have been striking to the Israelites because they hadn't governed anything for a long time. They had been slaves. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. He's reminding them of this beautiful, idyllic place. And there he placed the man he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees, excuse me, trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. They would have loved delicious fruit. 
in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed from that land of Eden, watering the garden. He's reminding them, the place that you see, the news that you read is not our final destination. And there's something refueling about continuing to long for home that keeps us moving forward. In fact, that's one of the main purposes of the book of Revelation. There's a lot in the book of Revelation that's so beautiful. But one of the things is this continuous picture of what it will look like when all is restored and all is made right. Revelation 21 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and he will and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There's something refueling about remembering and thinking and knowing that this isn't all there is. As we consider these ideas for refueling and moving forward, finding our place, staying humble, asking big, expecting opposition, making room for celebration and longing for home. Which of these do you believe you could begin building into your life today? Which of these do you sense God speaking to you about? Let's pause for just a moment of quiet and let's ask him. God, we acknowledge your presence here and we thank you for the scriptures that you've preserved for us throughout all these years. And we, we together pray that you would put thoughts in our minds right now that you want us to know and remember. God, we thank you for your constant faithfulness to us. And we pray you would lead us and guide us in a way this week that we would experience your presence, that we would come to know you more intimately now than ever before, that you would get all the glory and honor and praise. In Christ's name, amen and amen. If you care to speak with someone or pray with someone, you can head to our care connection room or see our lovely care volunteers up front here. Have a great week. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. We thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week.